the subject, the whole Indian, the whole Indian, uh, just to touch upon the the internal reason as to why is it that the Bani Shalom Bechal wants us to have children. That's what we were talking about last week. What's the tachlis of having children? <clears throat> and we spoke about the Indian of having children, being Marbekvod Shemayim, more opportunities, Nachashtigid, more presence of the Bani Shalom in this world. We were talking about that with Hakdama by way of introduction last week. And we began to learn this, this contrast, this small little cipher that was taken from the from a few shiurim that was that were given by an Adam Gardel in Yushalayim, in Yushalayim of Zilberberg, which I thought would be an excellent, an excellent uh, way for us to to get into the Indian of his chazkus and chenech. I'm not talking about methodology and teaching. Uh, I think that we just need a lot of chizik in terms of raising children and grandchildren, and to be able to look at things in, in the in the proper perspective. And this is a this is a wonderful, wonderful, and very, as you will see, an extremely refreshing perspective on the whole subject. So we began to learn the countries inside. If you don't have that, there are there are photos that it sheets. If you could share, my intention was that there should be something that should be able to be reviewed and to be learned inside, as opposed to just giving shiurim. We're on page gimel. On page Gimel, the right-hand side on the bottom. Yaduah mechazal hakadoshim v'tzadikim eschusim yagein aleinu. It is known from Chazal. Shekol nishama shenechneses la'ilam hazeh. That every single nishama that comes into this world. Yesh la ba'ifin klali shnei minei tafkidim. V'chol inyonei avedas Hashem yizbarach. He says that it's known from Chazal and from the Tzaddikim that every neshama that comes to this world has, ba'ofen klali in general, two types of jobs. Shnei mini tafkidim b'chol inyoni avodas Hashem is baruch in our avodas Hashem. Yeshes ha'avodas shel lilmaid. There is the avodah of lilma. That means that we were put here, we were brought into this world, that we should understand more and more and more and learn, acquire more understanding and grow in our own avodas Hashem. And there is also the second tafkid, the second job, a responsibility to teach others. Teaching others, as he explains, does not only mean the capacity of being in the classroom, of being a teacher in a classroom. That's a minority of people are teachers in classrooms. And Hashem entered into a covenant and we agreed, we made an agreement with Rabbi Shlaylam on that aspect that's called Lilmaid, to make ourselves into greater people, to learn more and more as we grow. And we also entered into a bris, into a covenant with the Rabbani Shlalom in this area of Lilamid, that not only are we going to not only are we going to strive to grow ourselves, but we're going to make an effort, we're going to make an effort to teach and to inspire others. Mulvad he says in parentheses, Yesh of course, on observing the mitzvahs, our own personal growth, which which consists not only of learning, but of course of performing the mitzvahs and so on. Hainu, he explains, there is the primary work of a human being perfecting himself. To 
to try to rise and to become greater and stronger by Sias Ritzain Hashem is and doing Hashem's will, but yes, a shleimus. Ulamale says hashlichus ham yuchedes avura. Every Jew, I spoke about this a little bit list, not this past Shabbos, but Parshas Shlach. Parshas Shlach is the parish of shlichus. Every single Jew was sent into this world, bechlal, but often klali in general, to of course observe the entire Torah to the best of our abilities, but also as the tzaddik explains in Sidkas Tzaddik. And it's explained in all this form that each and every one of us has a unique, specific shlichus for which we were sent into this world. Each one of us was sent as a shlich into this world. That means that you and I were given a, a specific task to accomplish with the children that Bez Hashem we have, with the specific conditions of how we were raised. Sometimes you wonder, it doesn't seem fair. Why was that person raised in such a home, and why was I raised in this home? Why was that person? Why is that person from that? community, why does the person have that husband, why does the person have those type of friends, and I have X, Y, and Z. So everybody should know that he's, that's what he's saying, that the first thing to, to remember is that area, in that area of Lilmoid, of you yourself and your personal growth, you were sent into this world with a specific shlichus, and you received the intellectual, the emotional, the physical capacity to fulfill the shlichus for which you were sent. And Chazal say that there is no one who is as precious in Hashem's eyes as the shliach who is moise nefesh ha-shlichusa. You know, when you send someone to do a job, when you send someone to do a job, I remember very clearly my father being continuously disappointed when he would ask me to mow the lawn or to clean, clean things up in my room. My parents were usually disappointed because there was a shliach that was not moise shlichusa. It was a shliach that was not moise nefesh to perform his shlichus properly. And my wife could share some stories like that with you about me as well. When a person does not perform his shlichus properly, then that's a disappointment in the eyes of Hashem. When you want to do what somebody else was sent to do, sometimes you're thinking, I, if only I could be like that person, that's the enemy's ma'isa, that's that person's ma'isa, you would like to be involved in his shlichus, that's not your job. You have your conditions, you have your seichel, you have your heart, you have your parents, your brother, your sister, your family, your kinder, your children so that you could do your shlichus in this world, and every single one of us is a shlich. And, and therefore, the Rabbani Shalom says that there's no one who I love more than a shlich who's moise nefesh to carry out, to carry out his shlichus. And that was the failure of the spies, of the Meraglim. The failure was that they were overwhelmed by the perspective, by the task, they were overwhelmed by the prospects of coming to Eretz Yisrael. They couldn't, they couldn't see that as being possible. They were happy in the Midbar, when everything was clear, when they were surrounded by the cloud of Hashem, they wanted their shlichus to be in, under such circumstances, davka this way. And Yeshua and Kalev said, Hashem banu. that's not true, that if the Baruch Shalom wants, and the Baruch Shalom helps us, we can carry out our shlichus, let us go up to so we can conquer the land. When a person is not happy with his shlichus, and doesn't want to be a shliach, then everything in the world looks like the giants that were in Eretz Yisrael, right? The shlich and the maraglim couldn't carry out their task because they, they said it's impossible. Eretz Yisrael is inhabited by such giants. The land is a difficult land. It's impossible. When a shlich, when a shlich is not happy with his shlichus, like many of us become in life, unhappy with the shlichus, we would like to do what someone else is doing. If whatever person, a person feels my family is not, this is not, my family is difficult, another family would be easier. My job, my career, if I could do something else, if I would be something else, and when you're in that state of mind, then no matter what it is, any day that you wake up, you feel, ah, I can't possibly carry out my shlichus because there are giants, there are, there are obstructions. Giants just mean, 
just means it's another way of saying there are obstacles that I can't overcome. But Yeshua and Kolev said, what are you talking about? If the Baruch Shalom wants us to do this, if the Baruch Shalom wants us to carry out our shlichas, then there's nothing that can get in our way. There's nothing that's able to stand in the way. So he's explaining here that each and every one of us was sent to perform a unique and special shlichas. Obviously it's important, and we'll talk about this much more later on, it's important for a rabbi, it's important for a teacher, and it's, important, and it's important, very important for a parent to realize that each separate Jew has his or her own shlichas. Very often in schools and in families, we have this tendency to assume that everybody has the exact same shlichas. Just because in school everybody wears the same uniform doesn't mean that they were created for the same reason. We have one general shlichas, of course, to carry out Hashem's mitzvahs to the best of our ability, but each person has his or her own unique and special shlichas. I mentioned in shul a few weeks ago, Maisef from the Beis HaLevi, that it once happened that it was Lel Yom Kippur, it was Yom Kippur night, and after davening, the Beis HaLevi was staying in shul a little bit, like many people stay, Lel Yom Kippur, and there was a certain man who was one of the wealthiest and cheapest, one of the biggest misers in the entire brisk. So he stayed after davening Yom Kippur, the night of Yom Kippur, after Ma'arif, he stayed in shul, and he was standing by the Om, and he was saying Tehillim, crying Tehillim. So the Beis HaLevi went over to him, and the Beis HaLevi asked him, tell me, what would you say if somebody, what would be the law, what would be the rule, if somebody would desert from the army, would desert, would leave the army? So what would you say, what would be the, what would be the mishpat, what would you think would be the rightful judgment of such a person? So the rich man, this miser answered, certainly Rabbi, the judgment of such a person would be to be killed for deserting the army. And the basic lady says, and tell me, what happens if a person, let's say, was in the cavalry, and he deserted, he didn't want to be in the cavalry anymore, cavalry anymore. he wanted to be, he wanted to be with the, the, uh, the foot soldiers. He wanted to go into a different division of the army. So he decided to leave his division, he went to a different division, he deserted his own division. What would you say would be the halacha, what would be the law if you would be the general? So he said, what's the question? Echados lahamis, he has to be killed for such a thing. So the basic lady said, you should know that you're that soldier that's deserted the army, and you're Chayiv Misa. So that's a very hard thing to hear on Yom Kippur night from the Beis HaLevi, right? So he said, what do you mean, Rabbi? So the Beis HaLevi said, you know, why do you think the Rabbi Shalom gave you so much money? You're a, very, you're a very, very wealthy person. He didn't give you the money that you should be standing here, Lel Yom Kippur, that you should be saying the whole Sefer Tehillim. It's a very nice thing. The problem with you is that you want to say the whole Sefer Tehillim and you would like the poor people to give the money, yeah? But you were put into this world and the Rabbi Shalom gave you a shlichus to support the poor people of the town of Brisk. In other words, that's your post. That's your position in God's army. In the Rebbein Shalom's army was, you could say Tehillim, say Tehillim all you like, but the problem is you've deserted your division. You're, you were placed in the division of those Jews who are supposed to support the poor, take care of the institutions of Torah and Brisk and the Anim. And instead, what you, you decided you wanted to be a Tehillim Zagar. Instead, you're going to stand up and say Tehillim. So what would happen if the poor people, now it's all, everything's reversed, the poor people have to support the town. And the rich people are saying Tehillim. So obviously, for a person of that greatness, the Beis HaLevi, it used to be, like the Vilna Gaon says in Mishlei, that each and every one of us would go to the Navi, and the Navi would tell you what your neshama, where your neshama came from, who you were, what's the root of your neshama, and he would tell you, this is what you have to do in this world. This is the point that you must perfect in this world. So when they were in the Vim, it was, in that respect, it was easier, you were told. Now, it's hard for us to know. There's a general rule that's found in the Svarmakadoshim, it's also found in Sidkas HaTzadik from Tzadik HaKoyin, where the Koyin writes that if you want to have an idea where your shlichus, where your specific job, usually what your job consists of, it's usually in that area that you find that you struggle the most. 
in that which you have the greatest difficulties in life, it's a simon that in that you could become truly great. And he brings many rayas for that concept, for that idea. So that's what he's talking about here in that first area of life, that domain that's called Lilmite. I have to try to become the best I could become, and I have to try to fulfill that unique shlichus. Hashem should help me know what's my shlichus, but I have to believe that He gave me the ability, He gave me the kaychus and nefesh, He gave me what I need in order to carry out that unique shlichus, and each and every one of us has a separate shlichus, just like in the Midbar, the camp was divided under different flags, into different divisions, and so on. So he continues, we're on page Gimel, the left-hand column, Ulamalus is a shlichus am yuchedes avur b'tayru tefila and davening tahara purifying yourself emuna belief bitoch and trust b'chol inyan b'avedis Hashem ben on lechaveiro between you and another Jew ben on lemokam between you and Hashem shevchol inyan v'inyan b'fnei atzma nechshev kal yochid letzadik hador b'shlichus shalom that he says the Rebbe says he you should know that in that area the Baruch Shalom has great hopes you are a tzadik you were meant to be a tzadik in that area you have the ability to become a tzadik in that. To the, to the ability, to the limit that Hashem gave you with your kaychus. And you're only measured by your kaychus and by your shlichus. You're not measured by somebody else's shlichus. And one of Rabbi Nachman's stories, his stories are very profound. And one of Rabbi Nachman Breslov's stories, so there was a certain, there was a certain tailor who was ex- extremely talented, but he was, he was poor. He, he never was much to get many customers. And the customers who came to him were always people who couldn't, who couldn't pay. There was another tailor in town who was not anywhere as talented as the first fellow, but he was an oisha, he had tremendous atzlacha. So people used to come to the poor tailor and they would say, why is that? What's the matter? How come you're such a good tailor, you're so much better than the other fellow, and he's making a fortune, and, you're, and you seem to be doomed to poverty. So the answer of the poor tailor was, what's the question that you're asking me? This is Yenim's Maise, this is my Maise. What are you asking me a kasha from his maise to my maise? That's his maise. His maise in the world is, that's his business. Everybody's a maise. You know, you think it's just Megillus Esther? There's a, each and every one of us, the Sfasema says that when Mashiach comes, he's going to give each and every one of us a Megillah. Yeah, a, a, a Megillah with each, what's going to, not just Megillus Esther and Rus. Each one of us has a Megillah. And that Megillah is going to be all the Sipurim and all the maises that you and I had to go through to become Avdei Hashem in our lives. So the Baruch Shalom gave each person that you can become a tzaddik in that Indian in your shlichus with the kalim that he gave you. That's Yanim's ma'isa. How come the other person has it easier? How come it comes to that person? You know, you stand next to someone, you see, you know, you see someone's able to daven and they're crying and they're shuckling and you think, I, I, you know, I, I, I might as barely can remember that I'm standing in front of the Baruch Shalom. This person's screaming and crying. Most of the times they usually also have the same machshavas. That they're also jealous of somebody else and they're trying. But... That's not your. That's not your asik. That's not your business. You have the kaiyach with your kalim to become a tzaddik. Mishlicha shaloi. Kamaisha kosev meharebi. Kamaisha muvah meharebi milu blin verab tzaddik veayit tzaddikim schlusi agenlein. Raku yochel. Veraku yochel umalus is a shlicha sazu ham yuchedes avur betafkid shaloi. And only you can fulfill that shlicha. Your tafkid. Zel chelik echad. That's one chelik of your life. Fulfilling your shlicha. That's all under the general title of what lil might. Learning. Learning to accept your shlichas and to carry out to the best of your abilities. Between you and yourself, other Jews and the Baruch to become greater and greater throughout your entire life. And the second chelik of our void in this world that Hashem has given each and every neshama 
kaiches, the abilities, that you can influence other Jews. You can inspire other Jews. He's not just talking about people who are, nowadays they have this new, new profession, it's called Kiru professionals. I always hated that and I always refused to be refer- referred to as a Kiru professional. He's not talking about Kiru professionals, that each and every one of us was given a second tafkid in this world, which is to be mashpia on other Jews, to influence other Jews. Some people were given the responsibility to be mashpia in the house. In the house. To have an influence upon his children, the sons, the daughters, and the chod of grandchildren, talmidav, al chaveirav, al kol mishi yeshle yavshoros to sayelo yavasiyas v'tzayin Hashem isbrach, and and whomever he, who, with whomever he comes into contact with, to help that person carry out the rotzon Hashem, lefimatzava according to his conditions, the kaychais of his kaychis, the avsharius and the avsharius that come to him, Hashem isbrach sholach bi'ayfen protim yuchad avur nishmasa, that the baruch has sent uniquely specifically bavur nishmasa. For your, for your specific neshama, for you to carry out specifically. And there are Jews who live their entire life looking for those opportunities, looking for those opportunities. <clears throat> how can I be mashpia on someone else? How could I inspire? How could I influence another Jew? And it doesn't have to be, and very often people think that this means that I have to be some expert in, in Torah, I have to be a Talmud, a Talmud Chacham, I have, to be, I have to be completely versed in Tanakh and all the Rishonim and Achronim in order to be Mashpia. That's not true, and that's what we're going to learn. The tafkid that each and every one of us has to be Mashpia, for that too we were given the Kalim that we need to be Mashpia. We were given the Kalim that we need to be Mashpia. And he's going to explain this. Bechol inyin Hashem is Hashem wants that each and every one of us should be in a situation of Heilech. Heilech means we should be moving forward. We shouldn't stagnate. We shouldn't become bored and tired. Many of us in our davening, in our Vedas Hashem, haven't changed much since the time that we were 9, 10, 11 years old. I often think that I was doing much better back then. And we're stuck in a certain place, and it's very difficult for us to move forward. The Baruch Shalom wants each and every one of us to be a Heilech, to be constantly, each day, a little bit better, something to be moving forward in our lives. We don't even know what kind of kayach we have. We have such unbelievable kayach. We're able to, we're able to, we're obligated to. When will my actions reach, when will my maisim reach the level of the maisim of my ancestors? And the tzaddik and the Talmud Yabal Shem Tov explained, it doesn't mean when will I be as great as my ancestors. Because all of us are thinking that's not even shy. How could I be as great as my ancestors? But it says, Mosa Yagiyu. When will they reach? And the Baal Shem Tov Akadosh and his students taught that it meant, when will they reach the edge of the actions of my ancestors? It doesn't mean that I'm going to reach the Madrega, perhaps, of my ancestors. But when will I at least, when will I at least aspire to? When will I touch the edge, the bottom of their coat, of their robe? Chazal described the Ovis, Avim Yitzchak Yaakov, and the Imahos, Sarifka Rochel, and Leah, like people who were running before me in, through, the, through the swamps, like horses rushing out to war. In other words, that's a description of our ancestors. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we could, we could 
end up in the same place that Avram Avinu was sorry Meinu ended up. We don't, we're not holding by that. But the Baruch Shalom's love for us is to the extent that we make that effort to rush through the swamps and to push through the schmutz and the dirt of this world and to be to be pushing Vaita further and further to progress to move forward in Hashem. When Chazal described the Ovis as being like horses that are running through the swamps, what they meant to say was that they were constantly aiding their Avaitis Hashem. Very often, you and I think over the years that we can't do that anymore. We're just not able to. When we think back, I, I remember when I used to be in yeshiva, when I was in seminary, then I was really somebody that wanted more and I was moving ahead, but I can't now. You know, life is different and the, in the present situation with my family and, the, and so on and worries about Parnas and taking care. Each person on his or her own level during that time of his or her own life has to be a highlight to move forward. The Ovis, the Imos, never stayed one day in the same place. Did you ever hear that Tzadik was called the Yid HaKadosh? Any of you ever hear the Yid HaKadosh, the Holy Jew from Shishcha, the Yid, the Heilige Yid? The Jew from Peshischa. There are a lot of legends about why he was called the Jew. That's not a bad thing to be called. Right? The Heiligayid, the Holy Jew from Peshischa. And one of the explanations that was given was that each and every day, the Yehudi HaKadosh, that Sadiq from Peshischa, the Yehudi, each and every day, when he, would, when he would start that day, he would feel that, ah, today I mamish became a Jew. Today was my first day being a Jew. And with that excitement and that enthusiasm to, to carry it out, <coughs> to start, in the diary of the tzaddik after whom our shul and Woodmere is named, the Piazetsna, the Eish Kaidish, in his diary, there's, a, there's a, a, a heartbreaking and very inspiring entry that is found on his 40th birthday. You know, he was eventually was murdered by the, by the Germans, Yamach Shemam. But on his 40th birthday, the Piazetsna, the tzaddik, wrote in that diary, he says, today, today I, I've reached my 40th year. And by us, you know, the birthday is not... Uh, it's not so much of a celebration. It's a time for din v'cheshman, to make a cheshman and nefesh. The Rebbein has, has me in the world already this and this amount of years. What have I accomplished and what do I need to accomplish? So the Sadiq wrote, the Piazetzner wrote, it's already, I'm here 40 years. And I'm thinking, he wrote this in his diary. He says, what should I do? What should I accept upon myself? To learn more Torah? He said, Baruch Hashem, there isn't a minute. He, said, he wrote this in his diary, there isn't a minute that I'm wasting. Can you imagine? He said, Baruch Hashem, I'm not wasting your time. He said, to be, to be uh, more careful with mitzvahs and to stay away from Averis. He says, Baruch Hashem, the Baruch Shalom knows that, I'm, that I, I'm, I'm not nuchshul in any Averis. He wrote this to himself. It wasn't right for other people. He found, it was found afterwards. He says, Baruch Hashem, everything's okay. So then, therefore, what do I need to do? What should I accept upon myself? He says, What does that mean? I want to convert to be a Jew. I must start to be a Jew. So you ask yourself, what's he talking about? He just said, I don't waste any time from learning. I don't do any Averis. I'm constantly doing mitzvahs. And then he says afterwards, and you can see that pause. And he says, I want to be a Jew. And he says, Rabbi Shalom, help me not to waste the remaining years of my life. Help me that every moment of my life I should be growing, I should be changing. Help me come into your inner chamber. That's what he wrote. So that, that, that insight into the heart of a very, very remarkable person means that in his eyes, yes, he's learning. Yes, he's keeping mitzvahs. But today, today is not the same as yesterday. Today I have a shlichus. Today, ani It says about Mashiach. David Melch said, ani Today I gave birth to you. That means the Mashiach is such a person that each day of his life he feels that today is mamish, my first day being a Jew in this world. <clears throat> not to become old, not to become stuck, not to stagnate, but to be moisif 
They were constantly struggling to become greater. That means in that area of our own personal improvement that goes under the category, the title of what? Lilmite, of learning myself and becoming greater. And also to become greater in which area each day. In the second tafkid of life, the second component of my shlichus is what? To be a lilamid. To be a Jew that influences, that teaches others. To illuminate the lives of other Jews. And now the tzaddik says like this. Look on page one. No? Oh, I thought the first three mamarim. I thought you told me. Okay, beside this, so I'll read and we'll have a by next week. So listen, I'm going to explain anyway mostly, this outside anyway, so listen carefully. The tzaddik says that in many, in many ways, where is the Yetz Sahara greater? The Yetz Sahara, he says, is greater, not, is greater in, the second, in the second domain of my Avadis Hashem, which means what? In that area of being mashpia and giving and influencing other Jews. That's what he says, Krechtarayin over there even more. It, 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 it's Mizgaba. Many Jews, many Jews, I would say most people that I meet, most people that I meet, they're of the opinion that halavai, kulei hai, if only I should be a good Jew myself, halavai. And maybe, maybe I should be able to save my, my children, my husband, that we should try to be good Jews. That I should be somebody that could be mashpia and other people, that I could be hashpah. I've met so many people that have told me, you know, I have met many, many mothers and fathers that told me that, they, that they're always worried that the Bereshim should help them, that they shouldn't be a bad hashpah in their children. So I said, what about being a good hashpah? Why don't you doubt that you should be able to be mashpia, to be mashpia more and more? Many, many people think that, that they don't have the ability, they don't have the kaychas to bring more elokus, as I was talking about last week, to be more godliness, to be mashpia, to be, to be makarv, to be mashpia and yidin. You know, you think... Many people think that, that the main hashpah and the Jew comes from giving a lecture, from giving a shmuz. Those who really understand what this is all about, the second area of life, which is called Alameh, knows that the greatest way to be mashpia on a person is what? With chamimus, with warmth, with a, with, a, with, a piece of, you know, with a piece of kugel, with a smile, with his scarvis, with yedidus. A lot of times people think, that the main reason this person is coming to me is that I should be able to come up with a good Eitzah. Not about Eitzah. Who am I? I don't know. And you don't realize that it's not necessarily that you have to come up with some brilliant Eitzah. The person needs someone that will listen. The person needs a shoulder to cry upon. The person needs someone that cares. The person needs someone that can, someone that can cry together with you. <clears throat> but for you to be someone that could be mashpi, that could influence, that could help, you don't realize. Even at a place of work, the person's at a place of work. I, I was just, somebody gave me, you know, there are certain bootleg tapes of Shlomo Kalabach. You know, there are a lot of tapes going around. So, uh, of course, officially, officially we're not supposed to acknowledge that he was a wonderful person. But we all know that, we all know that he was, and that even though there's some odd things about him, you know, there was something very special about him. So, I, I, I said, I, one, of, one of my students gave me a tape. It's not in the stores. One of these, like, uh, tapes, and it was like a, uh, some of them alka someplace, and somebody took out a tape recorder. And there was a mice there that touched me in such a deep way. I shared it with a chevron shul, 
Now, l- l- listen to what happened. If Shlomo was on an airplane, and he was always going someplace. See, he was going to Ireland. Yes, he was going to sing to do something. So he was going to Ireland. And Rabbi Shlomo says, no, take, so you know, what do you do? After, they, after you're allowed to take off your seatbelt, what's the thing, first thing Rabbi Shlomo does? He says, I have to go look to see, maybe there's a Jew on this airplane. Does he find a Jew? So he says, he's walking up and down the aisles. How could you tell, how could you find the Jew? He said, right away, he went, he went a little bit and he saw that there's somebody who took out his papers and he had it on one seat. And he had different snacks and fruits and things on a different seat. And he said to this person, he said, he says, Shalom Aleichem, And the man said, Aleichem Shalom, how do you know that I was Jewish? And the man's not with a head covering. How do you know I was Jewish? He says, Sir Shalom said, Come. You know, it's obvious. And he could tell. He could tell when it's one of ours, right? So, so Reb Shalom says, Can I sit down? Okay, okay. So he says, Sure. So they're talking. And it comes time to order the food. And the fellow ordered non-kosher food. And Reb Shalom, of course, had his uh, order the kosher food. And Reb Shalom said, You know, we became already such good friends. You could do me the greatest honor if you would share, you know, if you would share my meal with me. It would be a very big honor. So the man said, I haven't eaten kosher in many, many years. So Reb Shalom says, You know, we became good friends. It would be nice if we could have a meal together. So Shlomo threw out the non-kosher thing someplace, and they ate together. And then it came time, they were talking, they were eating, and Shlomo, you know, it was getting late, and Shlomo said, you know, now that we ate together, we're mamish good friends, right? So, it would be the greatest honor if tomorrow morning, you would do me the greatest honor if you could share with me my tefillin, if we could dive them together. And the man said, I, tell you, I haven't put on tefillin since my bar mitzvah day. So Shlomo said, you know, it would be a great honor for me. Tomorrow morning, we'll, we'll dive and we'll share, we'll share my tefillin. So Rav Shlomo said, the man said, okay, he agreed. And, and Rav Shlomo was going to, went to sleep. And he said, he hears somebody walking back and forth, back and forth. He can't fall asleep. And Rav Shlomo looks up and he says, this Yid. He's walking back and forth. And Rav Shlomo asked him, he says, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? What's the matter? How come we don't sleep? So he says, I have to tell you the truth. I'm, I haven't been on the phone since my permits, so I'm so excited I can't go to sleep. I can't sleep. And Rav Shlomo said when he saw this, you know, Mika'am Yisrael. So, what, what makes a difference between one person and another? He didn't say anything profound. It's because he was looking for ways to be mashpia. Just to go over to another Jew and to say, can we eat together? Can we talk? That's all. There was nothing there. That, there was no, there was no uh, Kabbalah. There was no, there was no uh, Tanya, Nefshachayim. It was no Ramchal. It was just talking to another Jew and being warm to another Jew. It's the Ikka in this world. And each and every one of us was a, is a shliach. Is a shliach. It's said on the gravestone on the Matseva of Rabbi Aaron Hagodah Makalin that Tzaddikim said that he, was, he brought over 800,000 people back to the Rabbi Shalom. And we don't understand what that means. How could he have even met in those days? They didn't have internet, they didn't have telephone. What does that mean to be Mashpia? So it doesn't mean that he went and he had philosophical discussions, discussions with each and every one. And I have found in, my, in meeting so many people over the years that most Jews think, maybe I could try to become better myself, but I'm not a, I'm not a Baal Hashpah, no, no, I don't want to mess anybody up, I can't be Mashpia. It's not true. So look what he... Oh, so you don't have... So I'm reading to you. Listen. You have to always ask him Hashem. That Hashem help me, to, help me to be stronger in this area. Help me that I should be someone that should be a Baal Hashpah. But not in some sort of a glamorous way. Not that you should have your name in the newspaper that you're speaking at some seminar. That's not what it means. Help me to be a better father. You see, being a father, as I told you last week, when Chazal said, The Gemara says that when you teach another Jew Torah, 
And it doesn't only mean teaching inside a safer. When you help a Jew be a better Jew, then it's as if you gave birth to that person. That's your child. And in the world to come, that person is considered your child, Mamish. So you have to dive into the Bible, make me a good of, make me a good daddy. I should be a good father. Meaning there should be many, I should, have be, I should be zeichet to have many children. I should be a better father. You should ask Hashem, Rebbe help me to be a better mother. A better mother for my own children. And to be able to, to be a mother, to be someone who is able to nurture. To nurture and to strengthen, because that's the main kayach of a woman. To be a mother who can nurture and to strengthen other people. And if you're Rebbe, to become even greater and greater each and every year. And then he says the following. Well, listen carefully, because this I'm going to explain a little bit more. And we have to remember always. We forget this very often. He says, we have to remember that the Rebbe Shalom is constantly giving us new kaychas. The Rebbe Shalom is constantly giving us new kaychas. That he didn't give us until this moment, until this day, something different than something new. A new kaych that, he did, that I didn't have until now. And therefore, I have to daven Hashem that I should be able to use the kaychas that he's giving me today, in the best way possible. That the that I should be able to use these kaychas in such a way that's the best way possible to grow, not only in terms of my own self-perfection, but in terms of that secondary area of life that's called alamid, in terms of how I could how I could influence other people. Let me explain this a little bit more. What he's what he's saying here is that in order for a person to be a mechanech, and I'm not talking about being a teacher in school, although, of course, this applies to teachers as well. I don't know how many of you are teachers or have been teachers. It certainly applies to teachers as well. But every one of us is called upon to be a mechanech. If you were to have children, then the ikra, of course, to be mechanech children, to be mechanech friends, to be mechanech family, and so on. <coughs> this, this umnus, this art, or this craft of chinech, requires of a person, demands of a person, on the most basic level, that he has emuna and bitachon, listen carefully, that he has complete belief and trust that he can be matzliach in this tafkid. The reason that I'm saying this to you and explaining what he's saying is the following. Nowadays, more than ever, parents, parents are growing up with a sense of terror and a sense of fear. There's a friend of mine who was running a Shabbat town, at the Shabbaton, I mentioned this to one of the Hevra the other day, that at, the, at, the, at this Shabbaton, there was a, he caught a boy, there was, the boy was smoking, and it wasn't just cigarettes, he was smoking some other stuff at the Shabbaton. And they had, they had, the rule was that whoever is Michal Shabbos or takes drugs has to be sent home. And this fellow was able to accomplish both in one shot. He was Michal Shabbos by smoking pot. <laughs> he, did it, he did it at the same time. So my friend, who was a, was a wonderful Rebbe, very, very talented fellow, so he said to him, you know, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, we, we said a thousand times that you're going to have to be sent home. You came here for... So the boy said, the boy said, Rabbi, you better be careful because I'm a kid at risk. <laughs> he said, I'm at risk. I've been classified as at risk. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm at risk and, and if you send me home, 
that might be the end. You know, the, can you imagine any one of us telling our parents, if my father would have said, get, to, get into your room, I would have said, Daddy, I'm at risk. That's <laughs> for me, think about it. I'm at, you're at risk, you're right, you're at risk getting a patch, you, you, you better get moving, you're at risk. So, <clears throat> nowadays, more than any other time I believe ever, parents are lacking in confidence. Parents, rebellion and parents are lacking in confidence because they're filled with a terror that A, I will not be matzliach in my tafkid, I will not be able to be successful in what I'm doing, I don't have the kaychus, and B, and B, I am, I am worried that if I, if I have the confidence and I exercise that confidence, that God forbid I'm going to ruin this child. So what's happening is very often, because a person does not have emuna shleima, now I want, to, I want you to understand, I don't mean that a person is alone or taking his, <laughs> going around, you know, destroying neshamas, but I'm talking about a good father, a good mother. Good, good Jews, what do I mean by that? I'm not talking about anything fancy. People who, my, my father always made fun, at least, well, he didn't have to, but at the beginning, he did in the beginning when, when we first, when we had our first child, so, you know, I got a couple of these books about raising children. My father saw one of these on the table, and he gave such a look. He says, what is this? And I afterwards, by the way, I found out from someone on our own block, who's, who's a relative of the woman who wrote the book, that that, that, that woman, the one who wrote the book, it was such a brutal, abusive mother that, she, that all of her family ran away from her. It was a cousin, a niece of hers was on our block, it turns out. It's a famous book. I don't want to say the name right now. It's a Jewish prayer, but it's a famous book. So I had this book, and I was going to learn it. I wanted to get my manual about how to be a good father. <clears throat> and my father said to me, listen, you love your children. You do the best you can. The Baruch Shalom will help you. And I was like, you know, you could save a lot of money on the, on the books like that, and, on, and all the, going to all the seminars and everything. But Lamaisa, that's really the truth, and that's how it was done. It's much harder than before, and I, and I certainly don't mean to simplify. It's an, over, it's an oversimplification, but the yesod is the same yesod. It obviously isn't a simplification. <clears throat> the children are more complicated, and the temptations are much greater now. But, what, but the basic concept that I want to share with you, and that I want to strengthen within you through what we're learning now, is that a person has to have a Bashem to know that what? That the Rabbi Yishlam sent that neshama to you. Your kid wasn't supposed to be in somebody else's house. You think, uh, if, if that friend of mine would be raising my child, it would be so good for my child. I feel so bad, you're stuck with me. You know, it's no, that the Rabbi Yishlam sent that child, and that child was sent, that neshama was sent, the neshama was sent davke to you, and that you have to have a muna that bevados 1,000%, that the Baruch gave you the seichel, the mind, the intellect, and the hearts, and the heart, to be able to be matzliach in that, with that specific neshama that was sent to you. But when the mechanech himself does not believe that he has the ability to influence the child, very often we don't believe that we have, what's happening is that the rebellion are relying upon the parents, and the parents are relying upon the rebellion. And, and, and everybody figures, somebody, somebody, somebody save my child, because you don't think that you have the koiches, it's not true. If that neshama was sent into that Rebbe's class, it means that that Rebbe could, could help that child. And if that neshama was sent into your home, it means that you have the kaychus to, you have the kaychus to, to help that child. <clears throat> and what happens very often, 
is that since you don't believe that you have the koiches to be such a mechanech, <clears throat> you don't feel like... Could you imagine if somebody were a general in the army, if somebody were a general was in charge of a certain division in the army, and, and he, didn't have, he didn't have the emuna, he didn't believe that, he, that his division, that his soldiers have the koiches to get from point A to point B. He's doomed to begin with. He'll never, there's no shayla he's not going to be able to... He won't be able to get ten feet in the war. If he doesn't believe that he has the koiches to be victorious, you know how many parents nowadays, from the time that the child starts to talk, when they're very, very little, everybody's fine. It's just difficult, but you know, what's, I could do this, this I could do. I could give a birth, I could change the diaper. But once they start to talk, and then when they start to talk back, so then you think, I don't have a bunch of I don't, I, I'm afraid I won't be able to be much slich. And we lose our confidence, we become filled with fear, with terror. And you know something, as a result of that, as a result of that, the children, children who are so sensitive, children are able to sense when their parents don't believe in them. Children are able to sense when their parents don't believe in themselves. Children pick up on that right away when parents lack in confidence, when parents do not have a clear vision of what they want, husband and wife, together, to have a clear vision of what they want of that child. <coughs> you know, Chazal say, it's brought down in Teisvis, Chazal say, you know, there are six orders of the Mishnah, and one of the orders of the Mishnah is Zroim. Right, Israel that begins with Masechta Brachis, and mostly it contains the Masechtas that deals with the, with the halachas of Eretz Israel, with the halachas of Chumas and Maishvis and Shemitah and so on. That Seder, that section, uh, one sixth of Shas, that's called Seder Zroim. And, and Chazal attached each one of the six storm of Shas to a certain word in a Pasuk, and the word in this Pasuk that's connected to Seder Zroim is Emuna, faith. Why is that? What's the connection between that section of Torah and believing and faith? So the Gemara says, Chazal say, Shemamin b'chai o'ilomim v'zoireya. That means that there's nobody who has as great belief as a, as a farmer. Why? Because a farmer, what all a farmer can do is he does what he's able to do. The farmer, the farmer plants, he does what he can do. And the rest is up to the Chai Elam, to the master of the world who gives life to all worlds. That's why the coin from Lublin and the Ishbitz has said it's interesting. Isn't it true that when it's rainy outside we get sleepy? Yeah? You ever feel that? I mean, I feel sleepy now all the time. But especially when it's rainy, yeah? When it's rainy, or even when it just gets cloudy out, you begin to get sleepy. When it's, when it's mamish raining, you just want to close the blinds and you just want to climb into bed, right? You're tired. Why is that? So the Ishbitz and the Kayin, they said one thing, beautiful. They said, because you always think when it's sunny out, you think, ah, the world is up to me. I have to go out and conquer the world. And that you have, and you, therefore, you think, I have to run. I have to accomplish. It's me. It's me. It's me. But when it becomes rainy out, you realize, Lamaise, the Bernstein fears the felt. Nothing in the world will grow unless the Bernstein sends rain. So at that time, when it rains, the tendency of a person is to withdraw from human activity. To sit back and say, Bernstein, it's your world. Do what's best in your eyes. And you become. You withdraw, and the way to withdraw from this world is by becoming sleepy. You, you take a nap, because you realize it's not you. So the farmer is a big mammon. There's no one that has as much faith as a farmer, because he's Zereya. He, what? He's mammon, the chayalam, he believes in the one who gives life to all worlds. Whether it's going to grow, I, it's not, listen, all I can do is plant. What am I going to do? I plant. Same thing with children. What can I do? I do the best. I try my best. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll try to nourish and to nurture and so on. But that it comes out the right way, the Saif Maise, that's the Bernish Shalom's business, is Mam and Mechayalom Vizereya. That's what therefore Chazal say, that that section that deals with the earth, with the laws of growing things in Eretz Yisrael, that section is called Emunas Itacha, Emuna, because Mam and Mechayalom Vizereya. Let's understand this on a deeper level. What it means is as follows, and this is how it applies to our children, how it applies to human beings and to ourselves. 
When a person, when a farmer puts something, or any of us tries our luck at planting, when we put something, when we put a seed into the ground, when you look at that seed with the mabat, with the eyes of a mamin, with the eyes of someone who has faith, and not with the eyes of a kaifer, of a heretic, when you look at that seed with amuna, the amuna that you have is, what Rabbi Nachman says in the Kutah Maran, that amuna is the koyach, hagoidl v'koyach hatzameach. Amuna, amuna is what is, gives something the ability to grow. Where do you see that from in Tanakh? You get a prize if you could remember that. Where in Tanakh, except you, Mechla. Where, where, where in Tanakh do you see such a thing? That amuna, that amuna means to give something the ability to grow. It says by Mordechai and Esther, Vahi omen es hadasa he Esther. The, the, the woman also who takes care is an omenis, right? Mordechai is vahi omen es hadasa, vahi omen. He raised hadasa, he Esther. She was Esther. The omenis hadasa, Rabbi Nachman explains this is what it means. When a Jew has a muna, then that Jew is constantly growing. When you believe in another Jew, that makes that Jew grow. When you believe, when the farmer believes in the Rebbein Shalom, he puts the seed and he believes that from this little seed can come out a whole beautiful crop. That emunah is the koyach ha-goidl. Rabbi Nachman says, koyach ha-goidl koyach ha-tzameach. It gives the ability to grow. When Mordechai, he oymenes hadasi, see, he believed in that girl. And because he believed in himself, in the koyachas that Hashem gave him to raise Esther, and he believed that Esther had those koyachas and nefesh. But because of that, he was able to draw out the inner latent koiches of tzmich, of gidl, of growing. When you believe in a child, when you believe in your ability to raise the child, and you believe in the koiches of the child, then that is the koich the koich ha-tzameach, you have bitochen in the chayel lomim. You have therefore the ability, you have the, the ability to carry out the tafgid despite all of the difficulties, because you have that amuna. You have that amuna that it's possible. There was somebody, I, there was somebody that approached the present Salonim Rebbe, you should be well, the author of the Nesiva Shalom. There was somebody who, uh, the, the Nesiva Shalom put out a kuntris on chinuch, a, a very remarkable kuntris on chinuch, which if I wasn't learning this, we'd be learning that. So I'll share with you some ideas that are found in the kuntris of the chinuch from the present Salonim Rebbe. In that kuntris, the Rebbe says, that he was, approached, he was approached once by a professor of education, a non-religious, secular professor in Israel from the university, who was a big maven in curriculum and in education. And he, the Rebbe said, he asked me the following question. He, says, he said, Rebbe, I don't understand. We, the secular, we have all these new methods, right? And we're developing, we have, we're spending fortunes of money, and we have the greatest minds that are working to develop new methods and new curriculums, right, in education. And I don't understand that by you, you don't have any courses, you don't have any methodology, you're still taking the kids to Cheder, right? Aleph, Beis, Bo, Gimel, Dalet, you know, you're still doing the same thing. So how could you possibly expect to be Matzliach? So the Salama said, this is what the professor asked me. The professor of education asked me, it's a good question. So the Rebbe answered the following, in the most beautiful way. The Rebbe said to him, you have to understand, in the secular world, the safa, the education of chinuch, is that you're talking to the body. You're talking, you're, you're talking to the goof of the student. 
which includes his, his active, <clears throat> rational intellect, you're addressing a physical being among other physical beings. But the Rebbe says, I'm reading to you from the Slalom Rebbe. There's a higher level of chinuch. There's a higher level of chinuch when you're not speaking to the to the body, to the rational intellect. That's all of a child or of a of another Jew. You're addressing the inner point of who that person is. You don't have to be pedagogical geniuses in order to teach that. You have to know this unique Lashen. What we call Mahama Lashen. You have to know that Lashen. There's a special Safa. He's not saying that they shouldn't be curriculum. The Solomon himself favors the adopting certain modern techniques in education. He's not against that. But what he's saying was to this professor was that we're raising children for thousands of years and we're not experts in curriculum and we're not masters of education. Now the Teretz is that there's a certain Safa, he said. And what is this Safa? So listen to how he explained. He said, so I told the professor the following. He said, I told the professor. It says in the Svarm HaKadoshim, it's from his Zaydis and his Alta Zaydis, it says in the Svarm the following. By Yaakov, you know what it says. Vayishtachu sheva pa'amim ad gishtai ad echav. You remember? It says that Yaakov bowed down seven times until he reached Esav. So the Rebbe said, Shagam etzel Esav harosha hoisib ha'mamokim nukud ha'pnimis shasham ha'yib ha'bchines echoshal Yaakov. Even in a rosha like Esav, there's a certain point inside of him, it's covered up by many layers. But even in Esav, there's a part that's called Yaakov's brother. There's something sweet that's called the brother of Yaakov. There's something good there. Avol sheva klipus ekhifus in the kuda hazos, there were seven klipus, seven shells, which means everything in this world. It means everything in this world. It means, it means the television, the internet, it means, the, it means everything. Seven shells, because seven means this world. So there were seven shells that are surrounding Esav's point of being Yaakov's brother. So why, what does it mean that Yaakov bowed down seven times, even though we find in one opinion of Chazal that he was blamed for that? But in the other way of learning, which is found in the Zohar Kodesh, in the Kisve Ari, that by bowing down seven times, shall Yaakov the Shover Hazayin Klipas. That Yaakov, what that means is that there were seven attempts, or seven levels of effort that Yaakov made to reach what? The inner point of his brother. However, that was. And he reached his brother. To that point of brotherhood that was within his that was within Esau. And yeah, and Esav, according to the opinion that this was sincere, of course there's another opinion in Chazal that wasn't sincere. But according to the opinion that was sincere, which is accepted by the Zara Kaddish, that Esau, when he did, when he hugged Yaakov, he meant it as a brother. Uh, afterwards, you know. It didn't work out afterwards, but for the moment, was real. He mamish kissed him, he mamish hugged him. The Rebbe says, If this was able to work, what? With Esav HaRosh, who surrounded him with seven klipas, How much more so by a Jewish girl, a Jewish boy, who are kosher, who are holy, whose souls come from under the Kisei HaKovid. Ashagam is a klipa koshab, even the most difficult klipa that's surrounding a child. Even the, mo- the child that's at the greatest risk. 
He must believe, the Mechanech, the parent, must believe that he could find the derech <coughs> seven, a thousand times to, to be Mechaniyah himself somehow till he's going to come to that point of my little child, of my Yosef HaTzadik, of my Yankel, of my Sar, my Rivka. But there's the Hishtach And he says, but the Tnai is the condition that this can work. And this is why the story that I told you before about Rav is so touching to me. The Tnai is that you have to believe the Amunah that you have the ability to be Matzliach. That you can do it. That you yourself can do it. That doesn't mean you shouldn't seek help with people that are good and to try. Of course you have to. That's also part of Yishtadlis that you have to seek and to talk to others and to help and to bring the child to see someone if necessary. But you have to believe that you could be Matzliach not to be Chalila, not to be Mesyayish. And even if God forbid that there's a child whose heart is closed or whose mind is closed. <clears throat> even if there's a child whose heart seems to be completely closed, certainly there's a chiv as much as possible for you to make those ishtachavoyas, to make the effort and to have the amuna that you could come to that point of what? Of to come to that point of brotherhood, that nakuda, that inner point. And that's the biggest klal in Jewish education. And that's what distinguishes, that's what differentiates between our chinuch and the Rebbe saying to that professor and secular education. You see, in the secular world, they, they don't believe that they're talking to a Yiddish neshama. They don't know that they're talking to a nefesh, a chelak elokam mamish. You know how many times have I seen, I'm sure that you've seen, people that you never in your wildest dreams would have dreamt could come out to be an elokh and they turn out to be the most unbelievable people? Because by a yid, a yid doesn't work by the natural ways of this world. He's not mashubit to the tav of this world. A yid simply is not. Therefore, the, the aleph of all chinuch is believing in yourself and that Hashem made you a shlich and He gave you the koiches to carry out your shlichus and B, to believe that if the Rebbein Shalom sent me this child, this neshama, this friend, this husband, even this parent, if the Rebbein Shalom sent this person to my tchum, I have to believe with all of my heart that what? That I am not... Meshubit, I am not functioning in my relationship with this person under the normal rules and regulations of education. I am talking to a nefesh, a chelik mal mamish. I am talking to someone who has within him a portion of a piece of elokus of God Himself. Therefore, you don't know what word you can say that could set the heart of a Jew on fire. Every one of us here, I know that, and, and my wife and I have spoken about this, I know that there was a certain teacher that said something that changed my life. Most of the teachers that I had, honestly, I have to say the truth, most of them did not inspire me at all. Mostly it was the opposite. I felt like running away. But there was, there were one, two, that said certain words, that made certain comments. And they, and they never would have dreamt that they were saying it. They don't even know. If I would tell them, they think, nah. There's, there's a certain person that I love very much, that he was a Rebbe of mine. That, he, that one night he said something to me that Mamish turned my life around. And years later I told it to him. He said, are you kidding? You know, that, that was the whole, that was the shlichus, you know. The Balshant of said, you know, sometimes you were sent into this world to say a good word to, a good word to one Jew. You don't even know. A shlichus. So when you believe with all of your heart that there's something supernatural that's taking place, that when you're dealing with a Jewish child, there's something unusual inside of him. And just like you see with your eyes, seven klipas, God forbid, and it seems to you like it's impossible to penetrate to the essence of this child. What's the matter? I'll never get to this child. <clears throat> you have to realize you are not dealing with a normal human being. You're dealing with a Jew. 
And a Jew is lemalim and haseich, lemalim and hatava. Therefore, you don't have to fear that it's impossible, based upon empirical information, it's impossible for this child. There's a good friend of mine who had a child that every psychologist said, look, I understand there are certain conditions that Nebuch, that that's, that's a different type of sign that if a person has that child, a special child. But I know there's a friend of mine, Tomat Shmuel, that had a child that everybody, including his own family, everyone said that the child, you cannot, this child will never be normal. And my friend said, I'm sorry, I don't believe it. And he worked Yoimam Velayla. I never saw anything in my life. And he brought girls, you know, from the school into the house to be with the child. And he did this and he did that. And Chazda Hashem, I'm not saying that the child is 100%, but he's, what he, my friend told me as of a month ago, that he's around 85, 90%. The child. And every single doctor he spoke to said, there's no tachlis, send them away. And he said, I'm not Klal. Because if I believe that the Baruch Hashem sent me this child, I have to do the best I can. A, and B, that's my seven ishtach my avayis. And B, if I believe with all of my heart that this, that this child is not meshubed to this world. A Jew is not meshubed to this world. Therefore, he could be meshuka, he could be immersed, God forbid, in the darkest place. He could be stuck in the worst place. And there is still the possibility that something unusual can change, that something can happen. Again, I'm not talking about, God forbid, there are certain physical, chronic ailments, Hashem Yerachim. But I'm talking about, especially about those children who people in Messiah, he's already, he's already left, he's already finished, he's already done with Yiddishkeit, he's never going to come back. It's not true. And, and children can sense, and I fear this myself, children can sense when parents are Messiah. They can feel that. They can sense when parents don't believe in them. And we learn from Mordechai, how is he able to raise Hadassah? Because he believed in her. He, Esther. Where does the name Esther come from? Haster, Aster, which means hidden. He was able to bring out the... He was able... He believed in Hadassah. Because why? Because he believed that there was a fragrant Hadassah sitting before him. He, Esther... And he knew that she was hidden. He knew that she had within her hidden kaiches. There was something deeper, there's something there that was hidden within her, that he believed in with all of his heart. And as we just learned, that when you have a muna, that's Seder Zoram. That's the kaich HaMagadl, that's the kaich HaTzamech. So just to end, what he's saying here is, that you have to realize that every single day, the Baruch Shalom is sending you new kaiches to carry out the shlichas. And you have to daven to be able to be makabal these kaiches. That we have the ability each and every day to grow, to strengthen ourselves and to improve in this Havaydas HaKadosh. And never ever to be misyayish, to be mispalo, and to know that today can be better than yesterday. And whatever happened yesterday, and what's going to be tomorrow, it's an Indian Achel HaGamri. But Hayyoyim, today, this moment, I could, I could make this new effort with the new Kaychis that Hashem has given me. So the Baruch Hashem should help us to realize that, to be able to carry that out in our own lives.